welcome to All Things Wise and Wonderful, an animal welfare podcast. My name is Jodie Gordon, and once again I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Henrietta Linneman. Hi, Hen. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we'll start by apologising, really, shouldn't we, for a, a rather a long layoff over the summer. I think it's been a busy one for both of us. Yeah, had a nice... A nice break, enjoyed some sunshine, although I have to say it hasn't been a very impressive summer this year with the weather, not in comparison to last year anyway. No, it's been a, a little bit damp, hasn't it? So, But um, here we are back again um, for another discussion. We're going to make them a little bit shorter this time. We're going to try and make these shorter. Shorter and sharper, I think. Uh, so, look, if you like what you're listening to, please put like, subscribe, um, and tell your friends where you can download this podcast on Acast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well, all things wise and wonderful. And if you have any questions for us, please do email us at askthingswiseandwonderful at gmail.com. There we go. It'd be good to hear from you. Yeah, it would be. So... We'll get straight into it, shall we? Today's topic that we're going to go for really is um, around separation anxiety. Yeah, separation anxiety and really, I suppose, the effects of the pandemic, because this is what we are really hearing about now, especially in in my world, in my profession, with um, lots of people now, it's been a, a good a good 14, well, how many months has it been? No, more 18 than months. 18 months. Um, and so people are now really starting to see the side effects of what the unusual circumstances that coronavirus did um, in terms of looking after our pets. And now as we move forward to a slightly more normal lifestyle, as in leaving the house, <laughs> how are our pets coping with that? And also not just separation anxiety, but socialisation yeah, so if you look at the different aspects of what we've seen, so uh, there are some conflicting reports out there about the number of pets that have been acquired in the last 18 months as a result of the pandemic and uh, our uh, kind of increased stay-at-home status. But this is not just an area that's affecting new pets, but also uh, pets that were already in existence. Um, so if we look at I mean, the, the obvious changes in behaviour. Lockdown brought the fact that all of us as pet owners were staying at home a lot more. Yeah. Um, we were not going out. We were not socialising in the same way as we did before. And that included taking our animals out, dogs especially. When we were taking our dogs out and then meeting people in the park, people stopped rather doing that. Yeah, it was more of an isolated walk. Um, you'd go for lovely, I certainly remember going for lovely, lovely long walks, um, but not with other people um, and not meeting up with other dogs. And if you did come across another dog, you would quickly kind of move to the side and let them go past so that you had your social distance and everyone was very polite about that and it was all very very good at the time but of course it has had an effect on our dogs meeting up socializing and that sort of thing as well um in fact the other thing is that we're seeing now of course is for instance dogs were mixing and socializing pre pre-pandemic um, and there was always a slight low current of things like kennel cough out there that would come in waves 
But now, for instance, we've got a huge wave of kennel cough because suddenly dogs are starting to mix and every single dog is getting kennel cough again because we haven't been vaccinating and keeping on top of that. Um, and now dogs are starting to socialise a little bit more. So not only have we got the kind of social effects, the separation anxiety, but we are seeing a difference as well in, in your kind of um, diseases that we're seeing again. I know certainly I've been riddled with colds and starting to starting to uh, meet up with people again. So it's the same with all of our pets as well. Yeah, and I think also for those that have acquired uh, new pets, yep. uh, especially new dogs, uh, they haven't been able to get uh, out. So those that, that acquired puppies, certainly last year before we were being allowed out and socialising, yep. that crucial period for socialization with puppies yeah you know from uh, probably three months through to nine months old and um, even before the three months so i mean the reason why we always say the three months is because obviously ideally you want them fully vaccinated um but actually the socialization starts before then um which is which is difficult because we want to put health and as a priority as well but we used to certainly do a lot of puppy classes so you would come in you'd get your first vaccine everyone would go mad over your dog and the receptionist would have a cuddle and so they would be experiencing something new there'd be dogs sitting in the waiting room and you know they would have all the new smells and things like that and then we would invite them to puppy parties um, and they would come once a week um, after their first vaccine so this was before the three months which is great they would as long as they've had their first vaccine they can come to start coming to puppy parties. Um, and of course, you can socialise your puppy with a vaccinated dog. Yeah. That was another big thing that, you know, yes, we need to protect our dogs uh, if they're not fully vaccinated and they're puppies. But as long as they're with a vaccinated dog, you can start socialising. So it starts well before the 12 weeks and goes right on up to the kind of six months, really, the socialisation period. And with dogs not getting vaccinated again, not being able to mix and go into people's houses... The vet's not being open, the puppy parties and um, you know, not happening, that sort of thing. Not getting in cars and going out and driving in cars exactly. and not, to travel. Exactly, not travelling anywhere. These puppies suddenly were not experiencing anything like a normal everyday life. Um, and now we're seeing dogs being asked to live a normal life and we are seeing troubles in that. So just uh, before we go on to the the solutions as it were what are these changes in behavior that we're seeing then so um in the terms of dogs that were previously previously bought and owned before covid um that potentially didn't have any problems before we are seeing nervous behavior coming out with with them that potentially wasn't there before or if they were slightly nervous it's more extreme now yeah. so um phobia of um, you know new people um, not being very good in the car like you were saying growling snapping that sort of behavior I suppose uh, a lower tolerance of um, stressful situations not yep. being able to cope with a, a new situation and of course 18 months not doing something that's quite a long long time not to do something so you present a dog to the vets they haven't been there for 18 months well wow, that's a huge amount of stress you present a dog to um, children and they haven't seen children for 18 months. That's stressful. Yeah, and I think there's these um, all these different things. So whether a dog was used to it before, yeah. um, because it wasn't just that they'd been habituated to it, there was a constant kind of exposure to a it. A desensitisation. A desensitisation. So whereas some dogs and some people 
whether we like it or not, some people did used to leave their dogs at home all day while they're at work yeah. and their dogs coped with it fine. Yep. Or at least they believe they coped with it fine. Yeah. Um, we're now seeing, because the people have been at home, the dog's now been used to company that it hasn't had maybe for a number of years on a regular basis. And then it's been taken away from them again. It's kind of like, hold on, what's happened to the company I had every yeah. day? And they see, so destructive behavior comes into it in the separation anxiety stuff. So this is the separation anxiety uh, behavior. Yeah, destruction, vocalization. Vocalization, so, um, but also, so some of these behaviors that people see in dogs is actually even started when people were staying at home. Yeah. So dogs getting distressed, not distressed, but getting actually stressed by people being around and not being able to escape them. So there's kind of two sides to this, isn't there? There's a there's a side where you leave your dog completely alone and it doesn't have any company at all. Yeah. And then there's stuck with the dog at home with it and its behaviour's changed because actually it doesn't have the ability to escape either. Dogs. Especially in smaller environments and smaller kind of hats, houses and flats. They do need their own space. Um, my dog definitely sometimes just wants to be in the house with us, but will take himself off to a different room yeah. um, for time alone. And I completely get that. And we're lucky we have that space. Like you say, not everybody has that sort of space. So it works both ways. I have a dog with separation anxiety. Um, Loki was absolutely, absolutely, absolutely terrible when I first got him as a puppy and I cannot tell you the stress it caused everybody having a dog with separation anxiety. Is he worse now? Do I see some of those uh, traits creeping back in when I leave the, leave the house? Maybe a little bit. So the little things that we're looking at now are um, the big one that he will do is if he sees us doing the trigger factors like picking up car keys um, or you know, kind of starting to get my little boy's bag of water bottle and, and the snack together. And he knows that that means that we're leaving the house. He'll go and sit in front of the front door. And that's immediately anxiety, you know, um, and you have to physically remove him from the front door. And that had settled down quite a bit, but it's certainly more now after, yeah. after lockdown. So we're definitely seeing some of those traits come back after, after being in, um, in lockdown. He's coping, I think he's doing all right. We haven't gone right back to the beginning of the destruction and um, the real vocalization, um, but I certainly know that it's still there. And a dog with separation anxiety, because there are so many dogs out there that have separation anxiety that got so much better, which will now be going back a little bit like, he, a bit like Loki. Um, it's really hard to see and it's just about taking yourself back to what you did before and, and we'll go through some of the things for people with new dogs that are starting to show these traits, the sort of tips and hints that you can do to try and make things a little bit better. Yeah, and I think the big thing we have to understand is that dogs are, I'm not going to say pack animal, they're not wolves, they are dogs, but uh, they've evolved um, to rely on us as humans. And, but they are not loners. No. They don't cope well uh, living alone. Um, they do rely on company. Um, you could almost say they're a herd species, strangely, you know, in the way, yeah. in the, in the way that you would leave a herd, you wouldn't keep a herd species on its own and you say it's not fair on it. Well, dogs are the same. They don't cope well on their own. Mm. So whether that be for some short term, as we're talking about, but long term as well, long term kind of dogs don't, don't do well on 
to live on their own. So we kind of just have to understand that uh, and understand the needs of the, of the dog uh, in, in the overall aspect of it. So um, we'll touch on cats a little bit later, yep. but they're almost the opposite <laughs> yes. in the fact that they are loners. They are um, lone species that can tolerate other people around or other animals around not the other way around that re rely on them so um i think some of the things we've seen with cats is probably almost the opposite yes lockdown they, has brought people into the house when yeah. they didn't want them around there was a fantastic cartoon i don't know if you saw it of a picture of a cat um and it was just a, a doodle and it said uh, would you like me to leave the radio on for you when i go out and that was during lockdown <laughs> the cat leaving the house um yes cats need their space they are more solitary animals so the stress from a cat manifests itself from actually not having the time alone whereas it can be it can be the opposite with a dog obviously so um we'll touch on cats a little bit later with regards to that let's let's cover the dog so let's look at first of all what we can do with new dogs puppies yep. um with regards to trying to prevent some of these behaviors in the future um from a training aspect point of view so in terms of socialization or in terms of separation anxiety well we're obviously trying to prevent separation anxiety yep. so um looking at what we need to do in general with our puppies for a long-term future of kind of reducing the, the separation anxiety yeah. the biggest one that i see is that people have their puppies in their bedrooms straight away from day dot um, and with them the entire time yeah and it's I mean of course it's gorgeous having your puppy in your bedroom I mean who doesn't want that but at the same time it's creating a rod for your own back they have to have some time alone to get used to it um, crate training is incredibly useful yeah. So it's a safe space for them. It, we are not locking dogs up in cages. Um, it is a safe space that they have that there is their own space, especially if you've got kids in the house, that sort of thing. It's a space that they can take themselves away and it's kids don't go near it. Everybody, that's the dog's space. Positive reinforcement, feed all the toys, lovely, lovely, calm place. And have that in a place that has some sort of privacy as well. So it's not necessarily the central, you know, walking through everyone. Kind of, you know, it's a nice, quiet place. And if you set something like that up, of course, that also helps for the future. For if you want to go travelling, you want to go to a dog-friendly hotel. Brilliant. Bring their crate. You can go on a holiday with your dog. You can put the crate in the car and it's that safe spot. But it does mean that there is that separation already from what is your space and their space. And therefore, you can start to prevent separation anxiety um, by doing little things like go and sit in the sitting room and watch telly for 20 minutes without your dog there. Yeah. It's huge. People don't think about doing it, but just let, you know, put, fill a con with peanut butter, let them go in their crate, let them just have a nice time, downtime, and they get used to not being with you. That's a huge thing. When I had Loki, um, I couldn't even go to the toilet without him howling the place down and going and weeing on the sofa. Um, it was that bad. And I had to crate train him and I crate trained him and I had the crate in my room. Um, and then I slowly, each night, inched it out of the door. 
<laughs> across the hallway yeah. um, and into the separate you know, lounge area until eventually he could go to bed in the lounge and I could go to bed in my bedroom, yeah. which allowed me to then be able to leave him in the house. For so, so I think the big thing is when you're teaching puppies this from an early age and when you're bringing your puppy home at 8, 10, 12 weeks or whatever it is, is to start these processes straight, straight away. away. Straight immediately. Away. So um, to be able to get them to understand that, because actually at such a young age, they probably don't even understand that they need that time away yeah. as much as anything is teaching them something. So um, yeah, so let's, from a puppy's point of view, separate them, crate train, yeah. right? get that done. I think the other thing is about habituating them to various different things, whether that be in the house yeah. or out of the house. So, uh, so all the noises that come with being washing machines, washing machines, vacuum cleaners, all of this kind of stuff, and that's not just oh we'll just turn the vacuum cleaner on and stick the puppy in the same room and make them get used to it. Actually, no, that's not habituating. That's just that's overexposure almost yeah. a little bit. You can start with those things in a different room and introduce them to new noises, get them to understand what it is, and then you slowly bring them closer to yeah. it. So all of those unusual noises. The outside noises, I mean, is about, I mean, that's a little bit about when you're first going out walking them, but there's no point in driving them to the park and they have a nice quiet time in the park the whole time yeah. and never get to hear all the other noises that are outside. Get them into the, onto the roads, I don't mean in the middle of the road, but take them to the roads to get them used to what cars are like, what loud tractors, noises are like, worries. tractors, all yeah. that. And, you know, if you have to do that in the park near the road, first of all, so they're seeing it from a distance before you get too yeah. close. I remember when we first got Welly, he, um, we lived next to the park and we lived in a cul-de-sac. But he was absolutely petrified of anything that moved. Um, and it was so difficult. We, you know, we would... We were talking to behaviour experts about the best way to do that, about the exposure or this, trying to do it from a distance, you know, and understanding what that distance was. And you get really, you know, yeah. get to a point where he seemed really comfortable with it. And then suddenly a slightly different sounding car will go past and you go absolutely crazy. Yeah. But then you see the problem is he'd go crazy and that'd be it. But There'd be almost end of exposure because he was so distressed. And yeah. it was very difficult. And now he was an extreme case, but a little bit of... Uh, it was trying to find that balance. I mean, he would still be screaming his head off long after the, the car had gone. Yeah. You know, so it can have a real... But that's something effect. to bear in mind, for instance, um, with the separation anxiety and being in the house. So everybody has seen the small dog on the back of the sofa, front paws on the windowsill, barking, barking, barking at everybody going by. Um, you know, and there's obviously yeah. nobody in the, nobody nobody has to come nobody in the house. Um, so this dog obviously has anxiety and is and is being territorial in some sort of way or just distress, just yeah. showing its distress in another way. Um, and so it is about um, desensitization to that sort of noise. If, especially if you live on a busy road or you know you're going to have the postman come. Yeah. You leave your dog, you can't stop the postman coming, um, and it can be stressful for them. And, so. and I've worked as a, as a postman, it's it, you can see those behaviours in dogs, uh, and it's extreme. And, and unfortunately, with the way that the postman does his job, he's, he's, he's approaching the front door, he's usually in a bright, high-vis jacket, 
He's approaching the front door. He's making a noise at the door by shoving the post through one way or the other. And the dog is going absolutely crazy. So then the postman walks away. Yeah. And almost, it's, it's, it's actually exaggerating the point for the dog. Is all of this barking and all this mental stress is kind of working for me because you're going away. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what it is. The adrenaline fuels it. Um, and then he gets a reaction, which is he's, the, the postman's gone. Yeah. He's got a, an adrenaline kick out of it as well. And so the next time it happens, it's an even bigger reaction. So this sort of thing is distressing for dogs. So bear in mind, if you are going to be leaving your dog at home, that sort of thing, maybe don't have them in the front room where they can see the postman coming down the road or, or the busy r- traffic or the footfall. And I think a lot of the times as well is when people are trying to... So if we look at how we're going to deal with these uh, things, so for the older dogs as well, how do we move from being with them the whole time to then going to have to go out? And look, everybody has to leave their house yeah. at some point. And probably for a majority of you know, 99% of people at some point they're going to have to leave their dog alone. Yeah. Now, just because you come back to your house after leaving your dog alone and it hasn't destroyed everything, it doesn't mean that it didn't suffer greatly from anxiety. And, and videos, uh, monitors are quite good for this. Some yeah. people think that that's just completely overkill, but it, it is very important to every now and then work out what is my dog actually doing. The other thing that's quite a good telltale sign that your dog's been distressed is that if you left their favourite treat... And it has not been eaten they have not been happy yeah so you know if you know that if you were sitting there with them they would be absolutely going for the peanut butter in that kong or stuff like that or um what you know the dentist stick and you come back and it's still there they're too anxious to eat which is a huge huge telltale sign so i think the first things that people need to look at and this is can be a very slow process very slow so so like we talked about is First of all, so get your dog used to just being in a different room. In the house with you, in a different room. So they are not dependent on your company the entire time. And then, of course, it's the taking steps to leave the house, small visits at a time. And what do you do if you if you have a dog that is losing their absolute mind? Um, for instance, even when you're in the room with, when you're in the house with them, and they don't want to be in a different room, which is what I experienced. Yeah. That was really hard. I had to do things like um, go to a separate room, shut the door, and I could hear him barking, getting upset, crying, that sort of thing. I would go in, enter back into the room when there was a moment of quiet. So I wouldn't enter the room if there was an active distressed sound. Um, I would wait for just that moment of quiet, and then I would go back in. And say, well done, reward. Yeah, and the other thing, of course, that I um, was told by a behaviourist at the time was when I came home, say, for instance, I'd been at work, when I came home, I wouldn't go straight up to him and give him cuddles and kisses and tell him, how much have you missed me? Mm. Oh my goodness, have you missed me a huge amount? It's wonderful, mum's home and, you know, everything's easier and better now, isn't it? I didn't do that because that just... Reinforces, it reinforced yeah. that when I go things are horrible they're only nice when I come back so I would go in and it was really hard I'd go in ignore him just to, you know not you know just kind of be like oh hello walk in put the kettle on make a cup of tea sit down on the sofa and then 
we would start talking to each other. So it wasn't like this huge and, parade of me coming And this back. is the big thing, isn't it? So I think when people are doing this, and you've got to this, so you, you leave the dog in another room, okay? And if the dog starts whining and shouting, is not to shout through the door at them, no. right? Because as soon as you shout through the door, you've actually done exactly what they want you to do, which is react to them. Yeah. You've got, because they're not gonna get that when you're not there at all. So it's, you've got to ignore them yeah. until like you say, they go quiet. Then at first, the first thing is when they start to go quiet, then you can go in and well done, re- yeah. you know, reward whether you're rewarding with a small treat or, or, just, a or just some stroke and, and, and good behaviours. And then do it again and then you extend that period and they go longer and longer yeah. without going and then you start rewarding it. And they will pick up on that really quickly. Oh, and yeah. the other, absolutely. The other thing that I did which really did help was the trigger factors. So, like I was saying, you, you pick up your car keys, your dog is not stupid, they know you're leaving. Yeah. So, um, I had to try and desensitize him to trigger factors. So, I would put my coat on, put my car keys in my pocket, sit down and eat my dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, all, all of those things, things that you do just yeah. before you go out, just do them anyway. Just make them everyday and habits. It, and you build these things up. And, you, and everything is about building it up slowly, isn't it? And for some dogs, they'll get it really quickly. For other dogs, unfortunately, it's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I was taught as well with regards to this is, is to leave the house. You get to a point, as you say, you're all those trigger movements, but then don't go anywhere. Mm. And then you get to a point where you go all through those trigger movements and you leave the house, but then come back 30 seconds later. Yeah. So that short, they don't realise that trace. going out, they don't associate going out the door with being left for long periods. No. Go out the door, but then come back again. And you can do that for a little bit longer. Yeah. And even if you're if you're going to the garden to do the rubbish or something like that, that's a great opportunity to put your coat on, take your keys and open the door, shut the door and go out. And you've gone, but you come back again. Yeah. And that whole ignoring behaviour like you talked about is brilliant. And I think that you have to remember when you return, uh, obviously even at the beginning, but all the long-term kind of things as well, is when you return, you are going to have to psych yourself up for it before you get in the house. Right, think about it. That's going the house. I have to ignore the dog, right? Yeah, it was really make hard. yourself a plan because that can be anything up to until the dog if it starts jumping up, you turn your back on the dog. Yeah, you know, if he starts going at this, and yeah, that, that doesn't take them very long to learn that they're not going to get any reaction, but it's about not reacting, and it's about not reacting even to bad behavior. You walk, yeah. I walked in and he'd destroyed my slippers, peed in them, weed on the sofa, and pulled the blinds down. <laughs> in a short space and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will relate to a lot of this and what behavior. do you do you walk in and you want to go oh my god what have you done you just have to not look at it don't clean it up in front of them you haven't seen it I have no idea what's been going on here it doesn't matter let's just carry on have a cup of tea and then later when they're maybe you know playing in the garden or something tidy it up when they're not watching yeah. that worked so much better than any other method that you know I've kind of come across um, because interacting over bad behaviour is still attention. I think we've mentioned this before. Yeah. Any attention to a dog, unfortunately, that is distressed is attention. Um, so that was what we had to do. That's what I had to do. Favourite hoodies were destroyed, all sorts of stuff. I can't tell you. Um, and I nearly lost my mind over it. But we got there. Um, you will get there. The, tr- the trick is, of course, trying not to let yourself get there in the first place. And a lot of people are starting to notice these sort of things with their dogs. So if you are noticing the distress signals, go back to the beginning. Can your dog stay in the house? 
with you but in a different room whilst you go and have a bath and yeah. do something start doing it make it part of your daily routine and all of these things they're different stages aren't they and if you if you get to the next stage and it doesn't work go back a stage absolutely or go back two stages because maybe actually you hadn't got as far as you thought you had yeah but don't be afraid to do it so sometimes these can be time consuming and, and actually i think for some of the older dogs that this is inset with yeah. it may take a little bit longer yeah, and don't leave the house, you know, for five minutes one day, 30 minutes the next day and think everything's fine and then just leave them for four hours. Um, that's extreme. You know, you need to really build up these little things. And then I think one of the things as well, to as part of a prevention almost a little bit, is we've got to look at things like exercise. Mm. And I don't just mean physical exercise, but exercising mental and, and mental stimulation. So exercising your dog, if you... Uh, you know, if, even if you're not leaving them, exercise is, you know, incredibly important. Now, the guidance, I don't think is very good because if you look for guidance in government guidance in the, its codes of practice, it says a minimum of 30 minutes exercise per day. Mm. Well, it's not a lot. And there are some dogs that need a lot more than 30 minutes exercise. Yeah. Take consideration of the breed, the age and the physical ability of your dog we've definitely mentioned this before mm. going back to the very intelligent breeds of your collies your yeah. huskies your shepherds that sort of thing those sort of dogs they need high mental stimulation and then you've got the dogs with just high 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 energy which can be you know staffies mm. and all sorts of all sorts of breeds of dog have huge huge amounts of um energy and so what the last thing you want to do is have a dog that's got all this energy built up they haven't had a good morning walk and they're thinking oh my goodness i'm, I'm just ready for the day and then you leave them in the house and um, they're more likely to be destructive that energy is going to be potentially um focused on something negative and certainly i think that people have to be really careful that they think right you know i'm back at work right i've only got a certain amount of time in the morning i've got to get the kids ready i've got to have my breakfast got to get the dog out so I'm going to take the dog and I'm, going to, and I'm going to walk really quickly or I'm going to go for a run. I can combine two things together. I'll go for a run with the dog. And, and you go for a 20-minute, half-an-hour run with the dog or a 20-minute, half-an-hour walk with the dog. But because you're obviously trying to get back in time because you've got things to do and all of this, the dog actually doesn't get to do its mental stimulation. Because you're tugging it along. You're, yeah, you're tugging it along the whole time. Yeah. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go, yeah. let's go. And about the only thing you'll stop for it to do is to go to the toilet. Yeah. Okay. But actually, it hasn't been men mentally stimulated. It wants to be out there sniffing all the sniffs and, yeah. and doing all this kind of stuff. So you are better off going on a shorter walk in which it gets to explore everywhere so, yeah. than a long walk in which it doesn't get to do any of those things. And, actually, and my, I will always put something in here with, um, with ball throwing. Um, <clears throat> it is a huge impact on joints so obviously young dogs who haven't kind of fully formed yet it's not a great thing to be throwing a ball um their growth plates and it's not mental stimulation and it's not mental stimulation <laughs> although we do think it is uh, you know what i mean we, yeah. we, we behave like it is and then of course your older dogs with arthritic joints it can cause so much wear and tear on their joints so standing in a park throwing a ball repetitively is 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 not mental stimulation it is exercise of course but it is also hard wearing on the joints so just be careful about doing that sort of thing of course throw a ball for your dog my every yep. dog loves a ball um but don't use it as some sort of treadmill for a dog um it, it, you know you need to do a bit more than ball throwing. so then 
we have to think about when you come back to the home with the dog and you know circumstances are if that's the only way you've done it if it is just a physical exercise and they haven't had opportunity you know and you have done that ball throwing or you have done that thing where you've just gone for a run and brilliant excellent you've covered your exercise the dog's mm -hmm. got some physical exercise provide it with mental stimulation there are lots of little games out there that you can get for dogs yeah whether like you've talked about it, the con with the peanut butter but there's also these snuffle mats that you get for them yeah all of these kinds of things Give your dogs something to do. And and feed them before, because we all know that after we've eaten, we all kind of sometimes feel like having a wee nap after yeah. we've eaten the meal. So if they've done their exercise, they've had some mental stimulation, and then they have a meal, they're probably thinking, oh, it's time for a bit of a sleep now. So you're setting them up for a more relaxed time when yeah. they leave the house. And I think also the big thing about toys um, that uh, I think is really important is what we do is we have a whole set of them. Right, and they give them all to the dog and they've got open all access to every single good toy, right? Well, they'll get bored. They have to rotate them. Yeah, rotation. So, less toys, but almost, think of you're going to be out five times a week, yeah. right? Because that's normal Monday to Friday work, but I know that's not normal these days, but yeah. however much. Have a small little packet of toys for each day. Yeah. Different ones. So they have different, ooh, you know, they're going to get, oh, hello, I've not seen this before. Or, oh, I haven't played with this one for a while. There. And rotate it all the time. And I think that's the big thing is we're so used to, oh, I'll just chuck his Kong down for him and he'll be fine. Yeah. It's not going to take a dog long to go, oh, I've done this before. <laughs> the other thing is, of course, radios, leaving the radio on. Um, there's debate over that, uh, whether it actually, you know, they're pretty good at knowing that they're just listening, you know, that it's just the radio. But I am very much, I do believe, personally that it helps i think there's some sort of background noise is helpful classical music is known to be helpful to to all sorts of stress yeah and it's not that they're listening necessarily to the voices i'm sure no. some dogs do and some dogs will be familiar with the same dj every morning that's that's not it i think the big thing is if you sit in silence right you're going to hear everything yeah and yet and dogs will be going what's that yeah every little noise that comes from outside what's that yeah what's that What's that? If you have a radio or a television on, or that you know music on, like yeah. you say, it's not necessarily that it's listening to the music, but it's masking a lot of noises. For instance, fireworks that, night, exactly. Fireworks night. I can't yeah, tell but you even how loud we have the telly on on fireworks night. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that that's the importance of having a radio or something on in the background. It's not because they're directly listening to the no. radio. It's actually that masking noise. It's of not sitting in silence as such. So I think that those things are really important. Oh, I've just thought we're coming up to bonfire night, aren't we? Is we're going yeah. into autumn. Oh, we'll and as do we do, we'll do, so, um, well, we'll just kind of add that into it. Yes. Start to get your dog used to yeah, so popping noises, banging using, noises. Using your pheromones, using your, um, yeah. your plugins that you can buy. There are different makes out there, but there are... Um, ones that basically release appeasing pheromones for dogs. You can get the equivalent for cats. And it you know, neutralises their kind of behaviour, that calms them. And you can get collars that yep. also do similar sort of things. Um, I, I think you have to be careful with, if you have more than, if you have a multi-dog household. Yes. Of not to be using collars, isn't it? I, I think that, yeah, I think the collars you have to definitely follow um, follow the instructions on, but you can certainly use plugins and things like that. Yeah. 
they are really good. I definitely, definitely would advise those, especially around high stress times, for instance, fireworks night and things like that. There are also nutraceutical tablets that you can, calming tablets that we can use for dogs at high stress times. Obviously, I mean, I get asked, can I have, you know, prescription drugs for my dogs for on an everyday type basis? No, no, you can't. However, if you have a dog that is so stressed at specific times of year, such as bonfire night and New Year's Eve, speak to your vet because they definitely might be able to definitely might they definitely will be able to help you um, with some sort of remedy to help whether that is nutraceutical or a prescription medication you know depending on how your dog is and and the fitness and health of your dog Um, and i think the the big thing here is and i think the study's shown is that there's not enough people that are getting professional help when it comes to this well this so, is the study said that people go to the website so there's yeah. been a recent study which is most people will look up on a website so they will and they are given probably the same general advice that we yeah. are giving here yeah. okay but for extreme behaviors or dogs that are not adjusting okay seek professional help you spend a lot of money on your dog with regards to food veterinary care okay and all the other things that go with it Spend some money on a good expert behaviourist who yeah. will help you to adjust to the specific needs of your dog, as it were. Because I think that's really important. Everybody's situation is actually slightly different. Definitely. Um, their dog is different. Their situation is slightly different. And sometimes there are some things that you don't even realise you're doing yourself that an expert will be able to say, well, actually, you just need to make this adjustment or that adjustment. The dog is reacting to this, not that. Because yeah. sometimes we believe it's for one reason the dog is doing it, and actually it turns out it's doing it for a very different reason. We're just not seeing it ourselves. So do seek good professional advice. If you need to, ask your vet. They will be able to put you onto a very good behaviour expert local check. to your area. You know, a health check is really good. So, for instance, if you've noticed your older dog start to suddenly do some strange odd behaviour, um, definitely take your dog for a health check because it may be that their sight isn't as good anymore and they're starting to not like it in the dark and they're you know when you go to work in the morning and it's still dark they're not feeling very confident anymore or their their hearing's not very good um or they're starting to feel sore and actually um you know the they're, they're getting kind of um, aches and pains and they're starting to manifest in strange behavior a health check definitely if you are worried to the point that um you know the advice on the websites isn't necessarily doing it you've done all your things that you that we've been said that sort of thing get in touch and diet is a big thing so we'll touch on this because i think studies have shown was it something like 14 percent of people have admitted that their dogs have got bigger over become lockdown? overweight over over During lockdown. lockdown because of course we're in the house with them and we're we in the house with them we can't help giving them treats yeah so we probably give them more treats than they've ever been used to that's that they become used to that and that's another thing that they're missing when you when you leave the house that sort of thing as well we do know that um, behavior can be affected by the diet that you are giving it's like giving blue smarties to a child um yeah and, look, and i um, think that's the big thing is look the thing I see and the big thing that people don't do is that they'll see dog food. Right, I must give my dog this amount of food per day because that's what the packet says. This is how much my dog weighs, etc. etc. Yes, but if you give them treats on top, you have to adjust the amount of food you're giving them. Yeah. 
Treats have to be limited because they are not necessarily all good, high value quality foods. They are treats. And that's basically, we don't live on treats, otherwise <laughs> we'd all be in trouble. A treat, exactly, the word is what treat. It says. <laughs> um, but if you are giving your, if you, what's the simplest way of putting it? The treat packet will tell you how much value there is. So you have to take that away from what you're giving the dog, not on top of it. And I think that's the big thing that people have got to get into their heads. And another one which I always say, you can halve your treat. A gravy bone, don't give the whole gravy bone, give half a gravy bone. And the dog doesn't say that's a half a gravy bone. They just have the action of the treat. You can physically use your dog's food as a treat as well. For instance, when you go out and stuff it in the toys, that sort of thing. Yeah. But for, for learning, for training, it's high value treats. And make sure that the the treat is equivalent to the size of the dog and I know that sounds ridiculous but <laughs> yes no, I mean you're right <laughs> it's a one of those small bones is the you know yeah. can be the equivalent of like two Mars bars if you're giving it to a really small dog or something like that so. definitely there's, there's posters out there which is showing pictures of an average maybe 10-15 kilogram dog and what two digestive biscuits is, I think it's something like two burgers or something something crazy like that. But there are definite charts out there. Have a look, go look them up, go, oh, you know what, we like we really like to give a rich tea biscuit. Go and see what that is. Go and look online and have a little look at what the equivalent of a rich tea biscuit would be to your dog, because you'll be absolutely gobsmacked. And look, from a point of view of your dog putting on weight, it's very difficult sometimes to notice it yourself because you're with your dog every day. So go and get your dog weighed. I do know that the big pet shops with scales are allowing people to go in and weigh. I'm asking a lot of people to go and get their dogs weighed monthly there. I cannot tell you, I mean, it was only the other week that um, someone's waiting for an operation for their dog. and their dog, unfortunately, was, is obese and is too much of a high general anaesthetic risk. Uh, risk. So, um, you know, we were talking on the phone. They said that definitely this dog had lost weight, you know, got it weighed. And it put on three kilograms. I mean, it's just impossible to see your own dog, whether they're losing weight or not. Um, so we really are blind to our own dogs. Yeah. I mean, bless them. I think they were mortified. But... That's how that's how easy it is to to not see it. Yeah, and if you can't take it to the vet, uh, like you say, or take it to the store, you can find ways to weigh your dog at home. I mean, if you've got a big dog, the way to weigh your dog. So basically, how to weigh your dog at home. I talk to a lot of people about this all the time. If you've got digital scales, flick it onto kilograms because it's much easier. Then stand on the scales holding your dog. Then stand on the scales not, not holding. holding your dog. And minus the difference. If you don't have um, scales with kilograms and it's not digital, just do exactly the same on your um, on your dial, and and then you can always Google um, to change it into kilograms. Unless if you're not a lot me. of dial ones have both. Oh yeah, I, them, I mean so. I just can't convert it. I just can't do it personally. <laughs> and you can do the same with your cat. And in fact, if you've got kitchen scales, put your cat in a mixing bowl. I tell a lot of people to put don't turn the mixer on (laughs) don't don't turn the mixer on (laughs) put your cat on the scales in a mixing bowl and see how much they weigh and do it as habit you know we should be weighing ourselves frequently start weighing frequently and if you can't keep hold of the cat 
you should have a cat carrier anyway. Yeah. So weigh the cat carrier, put it in the cat carrier, and then minus weigh it again. Yeah, minus the difference. Same principle. Exactly yeah. the same. If you've got a large dog, if your dog is, you know, over 20 kilograms and you're going to, to struggle to hold your dog, go to, go to the pet shop. Mm. Yeah. That is part of just uh, keeping an eye on your animal's health at the end of the day and a really important part of it because... We have digressed from separation. Well, no, I wanted to add it to the end, didn't I? But I did say this is kind of in addition looking at diet because it has affected our pet's health uh, over the last 18 months. So we all need to kind of get back on track with that a little bit with all of our, our animals. So is there anything else that you wanted to cover i suppose the last thing that we that everybody should consider is if you're going back to work and you're going to be away from home a lot um is consider daycare it's really really good that daycare exists now go and have a look vet it make sure that you've got reliable people with good reviews that they've got qualifications in what they say they've got qualifications in um, unless you're using a neighbour and someone you trust, which obviously is fantastic if you've got that ability. But if you're going to be using um, an actual business, just make sure it's a, a good, reputable business and get your dogs vaccinated. You know, make sure that they insist on full vaccinations for all dogs. Yep. Kennel cough vaccinations, again, because we're seeing a lot of kennel cough, like I was saying, um, that sort of thing. Flea treatment, worming. Make sure all of that is up to date before you put your dog in daycare because otherwise you yes. will get a nasty shock. <laughs> and there's two different types of daycare. You've obviously got uh, daycare facilities which are like a big boarding facility mm-hmm. and they'll keep lots of dogs together. Um, great for, in a way, it can be great for socialisation with regards to dogs because if your dog has got regular contact with other dogs, that may be where you're doing it. But there's also home boarding and home boarding and mm-hmm. home daycare. So there are, uh, if you go on the website, you will find out that there are agencies that can basically find you some uh, home. So somebody who has dogs in their home already that will allow another dog visiting daycare to come in. They can be very good for small numbers or if your dog doesn't cope well with large numbers. They may be a little bit more expensive, but also you may feel more comfortable. And there's ones as well with people that, for instance, want dogs but can't, Yep. dedicate their entire time there's websites for people like that that want to lend their time to potentially having a dog for a weekend so uh, make sure that you visit them first don't go straight in there they'll want to see your dog uh, make sure that they get to meet everyone uh, kind of the other dogs in the house make sure everything's getting on right all of these places should be licensed so ask to see a copy of their license um, and um, yeah but it does have some benefits you don't necessarily need to leave your dog there all day. No. Maybe if it's just doing it for a morning uh, or a couple of mornings a week, yeah. reducing the amount of time that you're leaving your dog at home. So um, there are definitely ways in which we can help our dogs cope with the back to work And if you have a new dog, um, it's all about socialisation at this point. Things are opening up, the puppy classes are opening up, training classes are opening up, people are starting to go to the um, activity fields that you can take your dogs to now and they can socialise and start to play. So I really do hope and I think that the next batch of young dogs that we're going to be seeing through aren't going to have some of the anxiety that the ones um, through corona have had. I would say, um, you know, 
going to the vets, I, I've seen dogs that have never been to the vets before in their life and they are nervous, they're snappy, they're aggressive because they don't know how to deal with their emotion. So if you think you're going to have to, you know, use a situation, so for instance, if you know you're going to have to do trips in the car every now and then, take your dog for little trips in the car. If they suffer from car sickness, that is really difficult. Put them in the car very frequently and do little tiny trips. So to say they do, they do get over they that. They do so get we, over it. Yeah. Um, uh, Welly had car sickness at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's exactly what we did. So I would little take ones. him little journeys. You know, that's kind of, uh, he actually quite likes getting in the car eventually. In fact, if you ever opened a boot or the door, he'd be straight in there. That's like ours, yeah. Um, and uh, in the end, he actually quite liked being in the car, you know, and he would uh, sit there quite happily. But but yeah, so there was, he started off badly. And sometimes that's a little bit of, hold on. Um, so it's about doing practice runs for a lot of things that you yeah. know that you're going to have to face in your life. Yeah. Um, for instance, if you have a holiday coming up and you want to use kennels, why don't you put your dog in the kennels for a night? Yeah. Just, you know, and, and, and see a trial run. These things are exactly how you would for your kid, if you know what I mean. When you, we've just experienced putting yeah. kids in nursery, yeah. they go for a couple of um, sessions, morning yeah. sessions, that sort of thing. Similar to our dogs, we've got to treat them in a similar way. It's all about getting them used to a situation, socialising them, and therefore when they are faced with a stressful situation, they are able to cope. Yeah. Right, I think we've covered oh. quite a lot. Cats, very quickly on the cats. Yes, cats. So, um, obviously, cats have faced a different type of stress during corona. Um, cats do like their own space. They've obviously had houses full of family and um, not necessarily had that ability to, to kind of... De- they react badly to any change. Cats. So, change, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, they can do um, over-grooming. They start to, for some... Odd, odd reason they'll just start to groom themselves more than they should and therefore they'll make their skin raw pull their coat out that sort of thing urinating in unusual places for instance not using the litter tray um, urinating in the bath that sort of thing stress cystitis we've mentioned stress cystitis before um, hiding hiding away. and vocalization all of these sort of things are are signs of stress with your cat this is I really really advocate using Europeasing pheromone um, plugins for cats. They are yeah. fantastic, and you can get different ones and use them for um, you know in, in different situations. Have a place that your cat can hide. They like to go up high as well, so um, that's quiet sort of rooms, quiet yeah. rooms, that sort of thing. And I suppose all we can say is that as things move back to normality, cats will start to actually just feel better about life potentially. Yeah, but they, they may have. Cats are strange like that. They may have now, over the last 18 months, adjusted yeah. to the new lifestyle. And they've got now to they're going to change it again. They're going to have to readjust again. Yeah. And so then you may start the behaviours all over again. Slowly, so slowly. Slowly, slowly. Again, going back to a lot of the things we said with regards to the dog, with the cat. Mm. Get them used to those short periods alone and changes and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. understand what they're going through and try to help them through that. And their pheromone stuff is... Obesity in cats does add to stress so a cat wants nothing more than to be able to be completely flexible and lift its back leg over the top of its head and scratch its ears with you know and turn itself into all different shapes um that is what a cat does 
Um, if they are overweight and they cannot do that, they are stressed about it. If they can't jump properly because they're overweight, they can't groom themselves because they're overweight, they start to get joint disease because they're overweight. So we definitely see a higher incidence in stress cystitis in overweight cats. So if your cat is overweight, for a start, speak to your vet about an appropriate diet yeah. to try and get that down. Uh, and also look at different ways of getting your cat more active, like yeah. you just said. Yeah. At feed at height. Um, and I think one of the things is also uh, small and plentiful, as in small amounts of food, but more yeah. regularly, as yeah. opposed to giving them a massive bowl of food once a day is not going to help when it comes to losing weight because they've done all the things that they need to do with regards to feeding. Yes. Small amounts and make them work for it. Yeah. You know, whether it be in some cat toys similar to Kongs you can get, basically yeah. where they've got to work for the food. Bat the ball to get keep, the food out. Bat the ball. Make them climb for it. Keep the keep it at height. All those things. And start playing with the cat. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but start playing some games with it and get it yeah. moving. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I still think probably the most effective things I've seen are these laser, little laser pens. You get yeah, they're Because really they're just... Um, they'll go crazy for them but um, get them moving but ultimately if you have um, a pet with um, separation anxiety or signs of stress and anxiety when out and about because of lack of socialization that's not a blame on you by the way or, or you know people mm. it is a circumstance that we've been put in um, and it is not unusual. You are not alone. Yeah, there are... it's so stressful and you've done all your research, you're at your wit's end and you're thinking, what do I do next? It is worth investing in a behaviourist, a qualified behaviourist, I must say. Um, one with, again, um, a good reputation and, and again, seeing your vet to make sure that there's nothing wrong health-wise with your pet. So seek the professionals if you're at your wit's end so i think it's the uh if i get the right and uh please write in that um uh ask things wise and wonderful and tell me i've got this wrong but i believe it's www.apdt.co.uk and there you can find a list of qualified animal behavior i think that is right i would have to that's a good one. Well done, Jodie. I wouldn't have been able to pull that out. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, there are... But really, if off, just ask your vet. Really, really good ones. Don't be ashamed. Yes, we, we always mm. have. At, the, at your vet practice, there's always an associated behaviourist that we would refer to in a, in a difficult situation. So we would have that sort of knowledge. You can phone your vet's practice and you can say, do you have a behaviourist that you can recommend, you know? So yeah. utilise. Brilliant. Okay. Excellent. So, uh, well, I've... Just so there, if you've got any more questions, please don't be afraid to um, drop us an email. And uh, thank you for listening. Um, a couple of things I wanted to add since we were last on. Um, Clarkson's Farm, bit of off the subject thing, but uh, I wanted to plug it. It's um, just because it's been, uh, it's been Amazon's most uh, popular programme ever with regards to downloads. For their really? Own, for, yeah, for one of their own productions. I loved it. And if you've not seen it before, go and watch it. Okay, it gives a new insight into the struggles of farming. Amazing. Jeremy Clarkson basically spends a year trying to set up his own farm uh, and do some farming himself. Now, 
like I say, it gives an insight into how difficult it is to be a farmer. And um, they will be making a new series, um, but I would certainly recommend, if you haven't seen it already, go and have a watch. You may not like Jeremy Clarkson, and I know a lot of people who don't like him, but have still watched the programme. Yep. So, um, because it's not about him. Um, and actually, it gives a whole new uh, side to him that actually some of you may not have seen, but and uh, aside from the fact I was involved in making this, but absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I would still recommend going to see it. Um, and also, uh, if you haven't seen it, last week, which was so the 17th uh, of September, Series 2 of All Creatures Great and Small started again. So for those of you who have not seen it yet, um, you can catch up on that as well so uh, very popular the first time around and I'm pretty sure it's going to be just as popular the second time around or four series two so go and have a watch of that as well also very good also very good also the fact that uh, not plugging it because I had anything to do with the making of it <laughs> honestly anyway thank you very much everybody for listening uh, if you like what you hear again please subscribe uh, download tell your friends about it um, download from all your usual podcast places um, and we will see you again next time and tell us about your own experiences how you've dealt with your dog with separation anxiety hints and tips and get a discussion hints going. and tips yeah and we will add those to the Facebook site or if you want to put your comments on the Facebook site uh, for some hints and tips, please go ahead. We will share those. Or what's the worst thing your dog did when when you left the house? I love those stories. You want those ones? <laughs> <laughs> I have seen some good ones. I've seen a I've seen a dog get some cakes out of a out of a, an oven before. So like, wow! Pushed a stool across to the oven. Was it to be? Jumped up on the stool. Pulled the oven door open, pulled all the things Oh, out. genius. Yeah, there's a video of a beagle on YouTube doing something like that, getting a stool and jumping up onto the work surface and eating everything on there. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, I, I go on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody, and bye-bye. Bye.